TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Obviously, one of the teams making a lot of news right now is the Minnesota Vikings with the changes, the young players, the draft, everybody uh, around right now. Sid had a chance to catch up with Mike Zimmer. Let's listen in. Okay, you made a lot of culture changes. Tell me why you did it. Are you happy with it now? Yeah, I'm extremely happy with it. Um, you know, uh, we had an opportunity to get Gary Kubiak and, and Rick Dennison and, and Clint and Brian Bariani. They've been together for a long time. They've been running this offense for a long time. Um, every time that I had to play the, that offense or, or Kubiak's offense, it's been extremely difficult to stop. And, um, and, and you know, they're great guys. They think like I do. Um, so it's been really good. Kubiak uh, has a lot of experience. That's important. Yeah, he's got a ton of experience. I think somebody said he's been in seven Super Bowls as a player or a coach. So, uh, you know, that's always big. And um, and he's a great guy. He's um, very uh, um, down to earth, um, very, very smart. I love sitting in the offensive meetings and listening to these guys. How about Ian? Your, your uh, offensive coordinator, they get along good. Yeah, they really do. And um, Kevin's got a good command in the room. Um, you know he's running he's running the meetings and then Gary's talking about the different um, uh, intricacies of each each play each steps and blocking schemes Rick Dennison's been running the this this zone scheme for quite a while and uh, yeah it's it honestly it's been great Dennison got fantastic experience too yeah and mo- and a lot of the times that they've been together for a number of years um, <clears throat> but um, but he's also been on his own some with Buffalo and New York. Um, but, uh, you know, I just like when I sit in there, I just like the communication, the, the details that they talk about, um, the way they teach. Um, you know, it's been it's been great. I Alex Kibbs don't mean anything to me, but you were mentioning a couple of times that Kibbs worked with those guys. Yeah, well, really, uh, Alex Gibbs is the is is really the dean of this offense in the in the running game and the blocking scheme. Um, you know, uh, when Gary was first a coordinator, uh, Alex was was the run game coordinator, and so um, you know that's been it's been big for him. Um, you know, and we talk about all the time. You know, if you look at the top teams in the league every year offensively, teams that can run and play action pass are really important because you control time of possession, you you um, control a control a game. Um, you know, and so I think I think the combination of the guys that we we drafted and the guy and the the things that our backs can do, I think this should be a, a really good fit. Well, who be on the phone? Yeah, he'll be on the headset in in the press box. You know, he's done it. He's done it a lot of times sitting up there and. He's able to see things and then be able to attack the, uh, the defense different ways. Let's talk about uh, uh, Cousins. He figures his second year would be better. I do. I think you know. I think all these guys, when they get in their second year, they're a lot more comfortable with the, with everything. But uh, this offense is really the same that he's he grew up with. Uh, you know, the, the Shanahan's. 
um, Mike and, and Kyle Shanahan. It's really the same offense. You know, Gary uh, was with Mike for a long, long time. He was Mike's offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, I think he's going to have a great comfort level with this offense. Talk about the first three drafts, will you? The first, uh, the first three, the first three picks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Bradbury, um, you know, is a very athletic, talented center, um, a guy that played extremely well a lot of, against a lot of people in, in his conference. Uh, played great in the Senior Bowl. Um, the second round pick was uh, who was it? Oh, Irv Smith. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's very athletic, uh, a young guy coming out of Alabama, uh, good hands, good run after catch, great quickness and speed. And then uh, Madison, Alexander Madison, the running back, we felt like would be a, a good um, addition to, to Cook. He's more he's a little bit more of a power back, but he catches ball well out of the backfield, be able to do some third down stuff. Um, and I think it'll be a good compliment with those two guys. Okay. I think you can run the ball a lot better this year. Yeah, we're going to run the ball better. Um, you know, we're going to – and and the thing that sets up in the running game is the play-action pass off of it, uh, some of the screens off of the play-actions. Um, you know, so uh, I think that's will be where we'll get a lot of shots. You know, we get, once people start loading up on – on you know on the running game, then you got a chance to throw the ball over the tops of their heads with Thielen and Diggs. You think he improved the offensive line? I really think we did. Um, you know, um, uh, Drew Samia is another kid we drafted in the fourth round. Uh, he's a big, strong guard. Started 48 games at Oklahoma. Um, you know, Bradbury is obviously going to be a. Uh, we feel like Bradbury is going to be a a big time player in this league, and. Um, you know, I, and I think some of the scheme things that we're doing is going to help help the offensive line as well. Think Cook can have a better year? Yeah, well, hopefully he stays healthy. And if he stays healthy, I, I do think the sky's the limit with him because I think they're going to open up some seams for him. And, um, you know, he can circle a defense or he can uh, put his foot in the ground and make, make a nice cut. Think he has some sleepers and the free agents and also the draft picks? Uh, yeah, it's it's early to tell right now. Um, you know, uh, kind of like this Watts kid from Arkansas. But, you know, it, it's so early, though, Sid. Um, I think Watts from Arkansas. There's um, – trying to think who else. Um, you know, maybe Boyd, the corner from Texas. I think he has some ability. So we'll just kind of see where, where this thing goes. How much will you miss Richardson? Yeah, we'll miss him. You know, he's a good player. Um, I think I think Shamar will come in and, and do a good job in the running game. Uh, you know, Jalen Holmes has had a really good spring. He's 300 pounds now. Um, Jal- uh, Jalil Johnson's had a good spring. So, uh, you know, we're just going to keep mixing them in there, and, um, you know, we'll have a good nucleus. You drafted for offense, so you must think your offensively you'll be better. Well, that was the plan. I You know, Sid, we've we've won a lot of games here, um, but we haven't been great offensively other than the one year. We were pretty darn good, and we won a lot of games. So I, you know, we we were time of possession this last year. We were we were on the field four minutes more than the other team. Um, so uh, defensively, anyway, and so I I feel like if if we can fix that part, uh, the combination of continue trying to play good defense and and being good there and hopefully being better in special teams will will get us over the top. Still want Rudolph a member of his team? 
Yeah, you know, uh, Kyle, Kyle's a great kid. He's been an excellent football player here for, for quite a while. Uh, he's got great hands. He's very, very smart. Um, actually, the, the combination of, um, of uh, Irv Smith and, and Kyle, um, along with the other tight ends, I think is going to uh, make his career longer. Did you draft some pretty good wide receivers? Well, we drafted a couple that we like. Um, you know, the Dylan kid from Oregon is is very, very fast. He's he's in the four threes, and um, and Obese uh, Johnson is a guy that uh, Gary saw a lot in Colorado. He's a Colorado State, so Gary saw him a lot. So I think that um, you know those two guys have some some big upside. So hopefully they can help us. Elvison can play center and guard, and the guy you drafted, number one, can play center and guard. That puts you in a position both those guys. Yeah, and, and, and the big thing is there is that we have some flexibility with what we do. Uh, you know, um, uh, Pat played really good uh, his his second year at Ohio State as a, as a guard, and um, Bradbury played really good with his young, uh, I think it was his freshman year as a guard. So uh, we'll figure all that out, but uh, we just, you know, I think we did a good job of trying to get good football players in here. you got to be excited about this team with all the new coaches and uh, new draft choices. You know, I am I'm probably more excited this year than I've been in a while. Um, you know, I, I just feel like, um, you know, if we get back and get our nose to the grindstone, we, we play smart football, don't beat ourselves, um, and do the things we're capable of doing, we're going to have a good football team. All right, that's Mike Zimmer. We, uh, we are going to uh, switch topics. We'll talk a little bit about Twins baseball out of the break and then uh, horse racing uh, coming up. And then at 1030, we'll be talking to Richard Pitino on Gopher basketball. going to be a quick-moving show this morning, even though we go all the way up till noon, not 11 o'clock because of the later starting time for the Twins today. So we'll be back right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back, and we've got a chance to talk to Randy Sampson. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. Anybody who, even if you're not a horse racing fan, uh, I would imagine that the uh, number of eyes on the Kentucky Derby yesterday were enormous. The racing conditions, and Randy, I uh, I made a mistake. I watched the end of the race. I saw the uh, post-race, uh, the quick interview, the one about 60 seconds after it was over, and I uh, turned the TV off only to turn my computer on and say, I may have turned that off just a little bit too soon. The entire history of the Kentucky Derby first First time that's happened. Yes, I uh, well, thanks, Dave, for having me on. I but yes, I uh, think you turned it off at the right time. The rest <laughs> of it got got silly after that. It was really unfortunate. I think that uh, you know, in the case where the best horse crosses the finish line first, and uh, you know, the fans think they've cashed the ticket on the favorite. Boy, I sure hate to see a twenty-minute delay and then and then change of the order, but. That is the steward's prerogative. It's like officials in any sport. And, but yes, first time it's ever happened. Uh, I, you know, certainly wish we, that wasn't uh, the outcome. And I, I know a lot of fans left there uh, unhappy that had had tickets on maximum security. But it is what it is. Yeah. What was the buzz out there as that's going down? You get more horse racing aficionados out there. Did you guys understand it? Know it? Have a feeling about it? I think, uh, uh, you know, number one, it was a, it was a crazy long delay, but in, uh, I think everybody expected that the horse would not come down because it is the Kentucky Derby and, and they've never done it before. And, and it's just such a significant, uh, you know, significant issue that you hate to have a, 
you know, an incident that did not affect the outcome of the race. You know, the horse clearly, uh, you know, the winner clearly bumped the other horse and impacted it, but it was the horse that was going backwards and wasn't going to go anywhere anyway, and it didn't affect the, you know, first, second, third horses. So, but we were, you know, so yes, I think everybody was surprised. Everybody was disappointed. And, you know, a few people with country house tickets at $130 were really happy. <laughs> Sid? Money is that worth to a uh, Kentucky uh, Derby winner? Well, that is part of the, you know, big part of the issue on your normal race. You know, there there's money involved for the purses, but uh, you know, not, uh, you know, nothing like this. Here, you not only have the, the fans impacted, but the purse winnings for the owners but even bigger is the value of that horse as a kentucky derby winner as a stallion you know potential triple crown winner uh you know it's a huge huge impact and i guess that's why it's never happened in 150 years before where they took down the the winner but by the you know the uh jockey had an interesting comment that there was actually the trainer bill mott who used to train here at canterbury in the early days said you know on a 5,000 claimer at at a track, you know, this horse would come down, and so it probably should in the Kentucky Derby also, and and the uh, stewards saw it that way. Randy, uh, been a lot written in the last year about horse racing in California. A lot of question is the future of it. You guys, uh, you've weathered so many things at Canterbury. Talk for a minute, if you would, about the state, uh, status of uh, horse racing in Minnesota, the health of the industry, which seems to be pointing in all the right direction. It really is uh, as good as it's ever been. It's our 25th year. We're having having a great time, and we had a huge crowd yesterday. The weather was beautiful, and and I'm not sure if it was an all-time record, but it was right up there. Uh, just a fantastic day of racing. Everybody was all dressed up in their, you know, the ladies in their hats, and so there's certainly a, you know, a lot of interest still in in Minnesota and horse racing on a national level. It it has declined, and we've been fortunate here to you know, be able to maintain a fan base and get people out to the racetrack and, and uh, give them an entertaining experience. You know, the uh, situation with uh, Santa Anita that you mentioned that, um, you know, there are concerns about the industry and how, you know, safety of the horses, every everything, you know, as we're seeing in sports, you know, they're becoming more concerned about uh, concussions in football and hockey. And, you know, people are being more aware of, safety of, of a lot of more NASCAR and so it's important that that the horse racing industry also uh you know do everything we can to protect the horses and jockeys because it is a it's a dangerous sport you know Randy I sat with you at the track the other day we had a nice visit and I said well you know 25 years now the Samsons have owned the track and uh I said well g- give me your one highlight or two highlights and it was a race that you cited but it was not a horse race you said the most interesting night at canterbury was 1998 when jesse ventura had his uh, election night party out there and pretty soon it was national coverage yes you're right mike that was uh, among a lot of great racing memories that one that one was uh, you know just one of those nights that you'll never forget when the crowd just kept coming and coming and coming and just pack the place with people, you know, drinking beer and cheering and Jesse, we love you. And he's up there saying we shocked the world. And we went from where, you know, they sent the, the third string media guys out there and they were all kind of like, oh, shoot, we got, you know, relegated to the Jesse Ventura Canterbury. And pretty soon 
they were the national TV. They were going going all all over the world with broadcasting, you know, from Canterbury. So it was it was really quite a fun night. Randy Sid's got a question. If you ever have any derby horses at Canada Downs? Um, we have had, uh, there was in the early days of Canterbury Downs, uh, there was a horse uh, unbridled that raced that was, was a Kentucky Derby winner. So there has been a, in the early days, there was a case where a horse that actually raced at Canterbury uh, was a Kentucky Derby winner, but that's the only one I'm aware of. It's been a long time and we've had some nice horses though actually yesterday at the on derby day there was a five hundred thousand dollar stake race that uh a uh, horse from minnesota that had raced here several times won several races here that's owned by joe novogratz amy's challenge it's called ran in a five hundred thousand dollar graded stake race on derby day ran third had a ran a good race so we still have some great horses that are you know going on to race at the big tracks Randy Simpson, pleasure to have you on the air. And for being on the air, we'll get you a certificate to Murray's the best sack in town. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, guys. Hey, yeah, Randy. Thanks, thanks Randy. For, Always good to visit with you. Yeah, thanks for being available on short notice. All right, that's Randy Sampson. Back with more after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, guys, we're back. We have Richard Patino coming up in about four or five minutes. One quick uh, question each on the Minnesota Twins. Sid Wright, as of this moment, the Minnesota Twins have the best record in all of Major League Baseball. Have you seen enough yet to think that this team can compete the rest of the way? Well, let's wait till they play some better teams. They played mostly teams in the in their own division. Houston's as good as any team Houston, in baseball. The Yankees ain't beat, bad, man. And the Yankees? Well, they beat the Yankees. I'm talking about on a consistent basis. Let's see what this schedule looks like. Mike, are you a little bit more impressed? I am because they've played Houston more than anybody's played yeah. Houston, and I guess they're done with Houston already. They but are. Uh, uh, I, I just think that, you know, you know how it is, Dave. You go into the season, you go, if this guy can move up to here and if this guy can hit this many home runs, we got, usually it never works out that way. Odorizzi stepped up. I mean, even his ERA when it was better in the year was usually because of inherited runners. He's pitched well yeah. all year. Uh, Cruz is better than I ever realized. Sitting with him out there on different, t- he's got a he. He is a pro's pro. Gonzalez gives you some versatility that you know yeah. I didn't expect. Crone can hit home runs. Um, obviously, the, you know the catching position and the oh. offense they've gotten out of Castro uh, and uh, and Garber has been outstanding. And Scopes hit a four hundred sixty-five foot home runner or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, so I think they're there for the long haul. And I think the reason is their pitching's good enough. And and the the old you know Earl Weaver's best friend the three run home run I think they've got that access now. That I know Sid wants to get back in here, yeah. but we've got Richard Petino standing by. We'll take a quick break here and talk to Gopher Coach right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. We are back. We're going to change subjects and talk Gopher basketball. Joining us right now, Gopher Coach Richard Petino. Richard uh, used to be uh, people knew what the recruiting period was. I think the recruiting period is almost all the time. You got some good news during the week. Tell us about uh, your uh, new transfer. Well, I can talk about certain guys. Oh, that's yeah, within bounds, right? Cannot, yeah, I unfortunately cannot talk about the one that I think you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, the, it, you know what? The recruiting game has changed a lot. Um, there's so many. I think there's almost 800 kids that are in that transfer portal, and so it's beneficial that you have a few scholarships in the spring, um, and that you're ready to make moves. And, you know, obviously um, we've done that. We've had a terrific spring. I mean, I know we're, you know, and I'm not big on recruiting rankings, but it's a good barometer where you stand. And I know a lot of 
a lot of um, you know services have us like top four, top five in the Big Ten. So um, we're excited about it for sure. How about this German kid? How good is he? And were a lot of schools after him. Yeah, you know, Isaiah was a really good get for us. Um, he was somebody we recruited all year. And uh, I really believe if Isaiah was in the United States, he'd probably be a top 50 kid in the country from a ranking standpoint. And most places have him about top 100 anyway, top 75. Um, got great talent, very, very skilled, um, you know, and terrific potential. Loves the game. Before we go any further, I got to ask you, how many times did you go to the Kentucky Derby over the years and what's that like? I've probably been uh, 10 to 12 times. I've been a bunch. Um, it's an experience. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's obviously so many people. Uh, it's a long couple of days, you know. Uh, and the, the, the lead up to the race, um, it does give you chills when they're singing, you know, my old Kentucky home. And those two minutes really are exhilarating. I mean, obviously uh, what happened yesterday you know, for non-horse racing people, they must have been uh, shocked by it. And I was surprised by it, too. But I do actually think they made the right decision. I mean, I do think that uh, the horse did kind of get in the way there. And, and you see it all the time. Uh, anytime you gamble on horses and you get really excited, you better save that ticket or don't rip it up until they stay <laughs> yeah. uh, official. I've had too many experiences like that. Richard, let's go back to basketball talk for a minute. What uh, what are you hearing from uh, Coffee as his uh, progress uh, through whether he'll be uh, turning pro or coming back uh, continues that journey? You know what's funny is um, when you deal with um, you know building a program, and we haven't had an NBA player since Chris Humphreys, and that was probably in the early two thousands, and that's just crazy to think about um, because even you know we've obviously. We've had decent success uh, in the 2000s, not as good as, you know, we hope to get to. But we've obviously, I know Tubby had been to three NCAA tournaments. We've been to two, one in NIT. But it's remarkable that we haven't had any NBA players. Um, this is part of the process. As you, as you get good players and recruit good players like in Amir Coffey, uh, they need to do this. So, you know, he'll work out for some teams, uh, get some feedback. He doesn't know yet, you know, and, and, and I don't even think he should know right now because he hasn't really had a whole lot of workouts. So um, I know he's invited to that G League combine, which is new, um, you know, and, and hopefully he can play his way into a good situation. If not, come back to us and get better. That's a heck of a month you go through, though, isn't it, with him, with all the teams and whatnot? Yeah, you know, for him, it's a lot of travel, you know, and the NCAA has done a pretty good job of, you know, he's allowed to hire an agent. Um, he's not allowed to miss class, which uh, he's been traveling around a lot um, back and forth. And I know that's probably tiresome for him, but it's a great opportunity. And it's hard for us, you know, for college coaches, because we don't know what our roster is going to be like. And, you know, you, you, you want to add a piece, but if you don't, you know, it, we don't really need to add his position, obviously, if he comes back um, because he's so durable and so good. Uh, so it's a little tricky, but every school is, you know, is dealing with this right now. And, and you got to do what's best for the player and, and best for Amir and his future. From Texas, as you got, is related to that Suggs kid. Is that going to help you at all? Get him? 
<laughs> you want to walk into that one? And no, you want the minor infraction? You want us to take it? You can't answer that? Well, I'll, I'll say this. What's funny is, and this is why you always got to be careful about what you read. Um, and this is no disrespect to media, but a lot of the media, don't, they don't see these kids play. Um, you know, and I remember when we signed Trey Williams at the time, uh, I don't think everyone was really high on him because they didn't know much about him. And then he goes onto the national scene and he shoots up in all the rankings. He's a four-star player, uh, top 100 kid. Uh, you know, and we saw something in, uh, in him and we evaluated him and, and we think he's going to be a terrific player. Richard, uh, you've got one scholarship left. Uh, maybe the answer to that was partly embedded in your coffee uh, question. Are you waiting to find out what coffee does before you decide where to go, if, if anywhere, with that scholarship? Yeah, you probably got to be a little bit um, you know, smart with that last scholarship. I mean, obviously, if he left, uh, that would open up another one for us. Um, you know, so I think it's communication is very important, um, you know, making sure that we're all transparent with each other. And uh, but also supporting Amir, you know, and we've got some really good interchangeable parts on the roster as well. Uh, But, you know, I I tell people all the time, I mean, we added Jordan Murphy May 15th. So you can still add some really good players. You just got to take the right ones. How about the the kids you just got recently from Drexel? Uh, He's the one that that he can't talk about about that because that's. Oh, not, yeah, not, not, yeah. not quite official just yet. How much do you think you've, you've improved your squad from last year? Even though you won't have a guy like Murphy and you won't have Washington, you still think this squad will be better? Well, you know, obviously losing Jordan Murphy, uh, Dupree McBrayer, I mean, those are two guys that uh, played a lot of minutes for, uh, you know, two teams that went to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, and, Amir and Michael Hurt and I believe Eric Curry, if if we do go back to the NCAA tournament, I'm not positive, but I'm almost sure that no four-year player has been to three tournaments um, at Minnesota. So that would be an unbelievable accomplishment for those guys. I do think if Amir comes back, um, you know, with Marcus Carson now, Peyton Willis getting eligible, uh, with the growth of Daniel Jarvis and Gabe, um, with the recruiting class that we've brought in, uh, I think that this could be our best team. You know, it's just a matter of staying healthy. Uh, it's not easy to replace those two guys. They were very, very important to our team. Um, you know, but knock on wood, we stay healthy. I think you'd be a really talented team if America comes back. Richard, a uh, lot's been written about a, a really talented junior class here in the state of Minnesota. You can't talk about any individuals. What can you do with this? Can you can you text them? Are there limitations on that? Can you watch them play? AAU, if you're watching, can you make contact at the game? What are the restrictions and rules uh, as regards to high school juniors and even sophomores? You, you can com- communicate with them. Um, you know, you can call or text whenever you want. Um, obviously, there's, there's rules of when you can visit them. We can't visit them right now. Um, they can come see us during those quiet periods uh, where they can come on campus. And, you know, the biggest thing with, with, with in-state recruiting, and, you know, I, I find it a little bit funny at times because it's always written and talked about that we don't get in-state kids, but we started three kids from the state and we went to an NCAA tournament. Uh, I think we have the second most in-state kids on our roster in the Big Ten. So, you know, I mean, obviously we, we haven't been perfect by any means as it pertains to in-state recruiting, but we've done a pretty good job. Um, you know, we've got some really good – Uh, pieces to the puzzle that are from Minnesota, and we'll continue to recruit that. The biggest thing when it comes to in-state recruiting, um, you know, because it's always written about who we offer, 
we can't take them all. You know, we, we, we may offer a certain amount of guys. We only have a lim- limited amount of scholarships and positions. But if you win, winning is the biggest selling point uh, to recruits. And, and I think that's why you see that recruiting is going really well so far is because we tell people about, okay, we've been in the NCAA tournament two of the last three years. We feel like we would have went three in a row if we didn't have injuries. Our facilities have drastically improved. So that commitment level uh, is there to try to get atop the Big Ten. Richard, one of the things about recruiting in-state kids, that used, the game was played so much differently. You probably observed this when you were growing up with your dad, and that was every every big coach had their own camp for six weeks. Nobody has a basketball camp anymore, do they? I mean, you go to wherever they are. How has that changed recruiting? Yeah, you know what's really changed? There's a couple things that have changed in recruiting, um, especially as it pertains to in-state, because – 20 years ago, I think kids dreamed of playing at home, and I do think there's a level of that everywhere. But these kids travel so much, mm-hmm. and they see so many different things that going away isn't as difficult for them anymore, um, you know, because they're, they're used to it. And with Twitter, um, there's not as many hidden gems anymore. You know, a, a kid could have one good game, and all, all scouting service has to do is tweet about it. And assistant coaches see that, and they make a call, and they dive into those recruits. So it's definitely changed. Um, And I do think you're seeing a lot of kids from everywhere go away from home, and they don't mind it as much. Travel is a lot easier. You know, it's easier to get flights. It's easier to do those things. Um, You know, so for us, like I said, I mean, we've got, I think, five in-state kids on the roster. Um, Recruiting this state is so very important, but also recruiting the right pieces is important as well. You're playing a game in South Dakota. Why wouldn't you play that game at the U.S. Bank? Uh, I don't know if that was that opportunity was provided for us, uh, to be honest. Um, Sid, um, you know, we played in the uh, Pentagon a couple years ago. We've done it twice in my six years. It's a terrific opportunity. Uh, we get a lot of great Gopher fans there. It's an awesome venue, and it's a really good opponent, you know, so – our schedule was really, really good. I think it's gotten tougher and tougher every year, and this will be a very, very challenging schedule as well. We're almost uh, done with it. We don't know who we're going to play in that Big Ten ACC Challenge. We don't know who we're going to play in the Big Ten uh, Big East Challenge. But getting Oklahoma and Sioux Falls is great. Uh, playing Oklahoma State and Tulsa will be very challenging. Playing at Utah will be hard as well. So uh, I'm excited about it. You know, I mean, I think it's it behooves all of us uh, to schedule t- uh, tough because – you know, the committee is not going to reward you if you don't schedule tough. Richard Pacino, thank you for being on the air. For being on the air, we'll get you a certificate to Murray, the best steakhouse in town. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, it's Richard Pacino back with more right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid David, Mike. All right, we are back. We've got a variety of subjects this morning. Time to talk WNBA basketball because things are getting started. The Lynx are going to have a very different look this year. And joining us right now is Danielle Robinson. Danielle, you're going to, the way it looks, you're going to have a bunch of new teammates. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited about that. I think, you know, it brings in a, a new energy for us um, and just a different look, a different dynamic. So excited about, about who we have coming in. And how do you how do players decide whether or not it's worth playing overseas? That you know, obviously, as the as the Lynx uh, uh, roster aged uh, uh, more and more, they would forego uh, you know going overseas to play. But there's also good money to be made there, and you don't want to burn out, and you don't want to be tough on your shins and your knees. How, how do players go about uh, uh, coming up with the right answer for that? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, every player is different. I think it comes, uh, you know, a lot comes into play as far as, you know, where you are in your career, um, where you are financially, the the job offers that you get. Uh, a lot of that plays, I mean, yeah, you know, the money's good some places, but, you know, there's a lot of times where the money's late or, you know, the location is, isn't that great. Um, so those things that, you know, maybe if you have a different passion and something that you can pursue in the States, um, or if, you know, you played long enough and you, and you have financially can take the year off, I think that also plays a part in it. But I, obviously every player is different. And, um, you know, I've, you know, done both. I've, I've sat at home and I've gone over. But, um, yeah, I just think, you know, where you are personally and financially is definitely where, um, you know, the, the decision is made. Danielle, obviously you've, uh, you're, cause you're a returning player, you've had conversations with Coach Reeve. Uh, what are your, what are her expectations and your expectations of yourself coming into this season with, uh, you know, some of the veterans that uh, we've been used to having around are gone. I mean, you're one of the people who's uh, got experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, her expectation of me is to, is to come in and be aggressive. Um, you know, to, to be myself, um, but lead it in, in a way that, um, is inspiring, you know, by my scoring, um, by me being vocal, um, you know, she named me a captain. So she, you know, she's trusted me with, um, with leading this team. And so, um, you know, to only be here in my second year and to have that kind of trust from her, uh, means a lot to me. Um, and so I just know that, you know, me, me being aggressive every single night is what is going to make us go. Um, whether that's me scoring, whether that's me getting into the paint and passing it off, um, those are the kinds of things that she expects from me, and that's the things that I expect from myself. You learn a lot from Lindsey Whalen over the years about how to play that position and, and, and watching her and how she approaches it? Absolutely. Uh, Lindsey is obviously one of the best to ever do it, and so to be able to have that transition year to learn from her last year was uh, a lot of fun. Um, just the, the passion with which she played, the way that she led them, um, the way that she you know, had them all in her hand, and, and the way that they trusted her, something that you know, I look to carry over this, this season and, you know, having been able to spend time with Simone in the off season and go down to Miami and train with Phil, I think that, um, you know, it's looking good so far. Is there one person that's really helped you in your basketball career? Is there what now? Any single person that uh, you uh, attribute uh, your success in basketball to? Oh, wow. Well, I don't think it would have to be just one. I think that um obviously my mom is, is where it started uh you know she coached me from second to eighth grade and just instilled in me that um that drive that passion for the game and the love for the game and then obviously my high school coach and college coach have been um very instrumental in my success coach Phillips really took my game to the next level and then um coach Cole at Oklahoma definitely um you know took me and ran with me as well and, and helped me become an all-american and, and take us to final four so uh, and now, obviously, Coach Reeve is the coach that, you know, is, has taught me a lot in this offseason. I think I've learned more in, that, in this past year than I have um, in a long, long time. So it's, it's been a, a great learning experience for me um, and, and to see why the team has been so, so successful um, because of the leadership that we have in Coach Reeve. You know, Danielle, uh, you haven't played your whole career here. That's what's kind of fun. You've been around the league. What yeah. is the reputation of the links around the league? I always got the feeling that they weren't <laughs> particularly liked. Well, nobody likes somebody that can win four out of eight years. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, but coming here, you see why they win. Um, you know, from, from day one, it's um, this is a playoff push. It's not this is day one of training camp. This is, no, this is day one of the playoffs. 
And so that's, that's you know, what's been um, their driving force. And, yeah, people don't like them just because they play so much harder. Um, and they they get the respect that they deserve because they win. I mean, you can't really be mad at that. But, yeah, nobody likes losing to a team um, like they, you know, like losing to the Lynx. So it's uh, I'm glad to be on this side of it now. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't I, think that. I, I accept all hatred, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Danielle, a lot of people think that there's a big going to be a big drop-off with the Lynx or there could be at some point in time. I don't see it this year. You guys have got a lot of fresh legs and people that have played, and, and, and you've got Simone Augustus still there, and you got Sylvia. I, I just think that there's a chance you guys could do what you've done. Absolutely. Um, we're definitely excited to start that legacy of this group here um, and continue the Lynx way. Like you said, we have a great um, group of, of women that are in here. We have, um, you know, obviously getting Odyssey was huge for us. So I think that, you know, we're, we're there's going to be no drop off. I think we have people that are going to continue to play hard, continue to play the Lynx way um, and enjoy carrying on that legacy that this, that this group has started. Danielle, we appreciate your joining us. Uh, we uh, we wish you best of luck in the season. Look forward to have you back on the air along with your coaches as the season progresses. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, it's Danielle Robinson back with more right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we're back with about four minutes to go. Uh, guys, we're going to do a little more uh, random baseball talk here, starting with a text message for Sid. And it says, Sid, or ask Sid, do you think Jim Cott and Tony Oliva belong in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Who? Jim Cott and Tony Oliva. Hall of Fame or not? Well, Tony Oliva has to be in the veteran deal. He's no longer for the regular deal. Same with Cott. I think Jim Cott's got a good chance. Mike? I said before, you know, Oliva, you guys saw a play. I vaguely remember him as a kid going out, but I just wish they'd do something cumulative. If Jim Cott did all that as a player and then as a broadcaster, he's contributed more to the game of baseball than a lot of guys that that have a place in Cooperstown because he's growing the game. Yeah, a friend during the week said, can you get any way you can get him back on? Yeah, we'll have him as a guest uh, again. He is such a a delight to listen to. We we had to cut short our Twins talk a little earlier. We do do have multiple twin segments in the 11 o'clock hour. We've got Wes Johnson, James Rousen, and uh, Roy Smalley. So we'll do a lot more twin stock. I want to talk about the starting rotation. If you look about a surprise, I mean, they got Michael Pineda today. I think he's a question mark, but uh, who thought when they picked up Martin Perez mm. that it was any kind of pickup at all? Perez right now is terrific to watch. I, I thought that was fool's gold. I thought that was the old, you know, relegate him to the bullpen and he, he'll, he'll struggle to stay on the 40-man roster. Heck, the other night, I mean, he just kept coming at him in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. He was stronger than he was in the first two. Sid had, I don't suppose you'd had any indication. We certainly, I thought the Martin Perez pickup was kind of an off-season yawn. He, he, Perez has been a terrific member of the Twins starting rotation. Well, so far, so good. Uh, the guy against the Yankees yesterday. Well, older is he is. Wow, he's a new player. He two, looks great. Two hits, no run. Uh, unbelievable. Except that 11 nothing game. They've been fantastic. But, you know, they've had like three of them now this year. Absolute routes, and they've come back and won the next day as if it didn't happen. They don't seem to be a team that dwells on on bad games. No. Well, they, they, uh, they've they had good starters. His pitching coach has done a hell of a, heck of a job. Heck of a job. Heck of a job. Yeah, we agree but on you know, two. <laughs> to your point, Dave, there's a lot of people that can pick you up in that lineup, and, and so they're not relying on You know, Rosario went in the tank completely, twenty over 24 slump, yep. whatever it was. He had a couple of bullets, that, and they still scored uh, six runs in the same innings, and he made two outs. So, so it's not just about 
And Buxton's even been waning. He's down around, you know, he got a couple hits yesterday, but he's in that 260 range. Because going into the year, what do we all say? It's all about Sano and Buxton. Well, actually, it's not. It's about a whole lot more than that, and those two guys are just part of it. And for people watching Sano, he went four for four two nights ago. They moved moved him up. up. Yeah, moved him up to double A. He'll be at Rochester, I think, by the end of the week. I would guess Sano will be back in the Twins lineup in about 10 days. And how about Gonzalez when – what an arm. They put him in the outfield. We don't know what to expect. He gets two assists in the outfield from third base. He's got an absolute rifle over to first base. I also think, you know, the best thing that could happen to Sano might be this team winning. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's on the outside looking in, and he's going, boy, I better get something in order here because he could help this team. Another good thing for Sano is named Cruz. That's I think, right. I think Cruz is going to be great for Snow. All right, we are out of time in this hour. We're going to preview the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Hollis Kavner, find out what's happening at the 3M tournament. All of a sudden, we're in May. It's here in, uh, around July 4th. Roy Smalley will join us. That's always fun. Tim Cheetah will join us. Wes Johnson, Twins pitching coach. James Ross and the hitting coach. Going to be full. We'll try to find time to get your calls in. I'm not sure if it's going to work. Do our best. Texas, meanwhile, 818-07. We'll be back right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.